I'm going to tell you why you're doing productivity all wrong, and it might be costing you more than you think. How productive were you today? Do you know? Did you track it? What method did you use? A to-do list? A Pomodoro timer? I'd bet you were really, really productive. I bet you got a lot of things done and checked off all those little boxes, right? So here's a different question. Did any of it matter? Sure, you were productive, but for what purpose? To what end? I think many of us forget to ask that last question in our day-to-day lives and work. As a society, we've been so focused on how to be productive that we've developed an endless stream of strategies and tools to make it easier. This exploded further in 2020 and the following years as the pandemic created a national and global shift towards fully remote or hybrid work. A shift that, I hate to break it to you, isn't going to go away. According to Google Trend Data, interest in being more productive has doubled since 2016, and a fact-checked article on career site Zipia.com says that, quote, 44% of U.S. employees prefer a hybrid work model. 59% of employees are more likely to choose an employer that offers remote work opportunities over one that doesn't, and 55% of employees want to work remotely at least three days a week. So with everyone cooped up at home, tapping away on their little keyboards, trying desperately not to get distracted by the cozy looking couch in the corner of their eye, it makes sense that there's been a renewed interest in productivity and productivity techniques. But here's a very serious question. Why do we want to be productive? To answer this question, let's first start by zooming out and trying to understand what productivity is. According to a 2019 article on Zarvana.com titled, A New Productivity Definition That Won't Burn You Out, the word productive comes from the medieval Latin word productivus, first used in 1610, which literally meant fit for production. The word productivity wasn't used for another 200 years. When people started using the term, it meant what one would expect, the quality of being productive. Almost another hundred years later in 1899, productivity was first used in an economic sense to mean the rate of output per unit. Now at its core, being productive is about producing a product. In the 1600s, the economy of most countries was made up of various crops, shipbuilding, lumber, trading, and in some cases, buying and selling people. In this context, the word productive was likely referring to how fit for production the product of each of these industries was. The crop yield for each individual farm or plantation, the amount of lumber harvested or ships produced, the amount of or quality of the people captured, or in the case of chattel slavery, produced. In each case, the word productive referred to the end result of a process or industry. To help illustrate how different this is from how we view productivity today, back then you might say that your farm had a productive year, but you wouldn't say that the farmer was being productive. Being productive was a quality of the product or process rather than the person. Now, as the article from Zarvana points out, 
Nearly 300 years after the word productivist was first used, the definition of productivity expanded to measure the rate of output on a larger economic scale. During this same period, the Industrial Revolution entered the chat and with it came a standardization and destructuring of work. Rather than each individual being aware of and in control of the entire manufacturing or production process, the process was broken apart with each individual specializing in one specific area. Now, this had two major effects. First, it removed control over the means of production from the worker. If you want to learn more about this, be sure to check out my episode on how we define success. And second, it made each individual task easier to measure. The idea was that if you can measure the productivity of each individual stage of the process, you would find ways to improve the overall productivity of the larger process. And given that each stage was also now owned by an individual person, by measuring the productivity of the stage, you're also measuring the productivity of the person. Thus, the person responsible for each stage was reduced to just another input, one that, if changed out, might lead to increases or decreases in productivity. Now, something to remember here is that by this point, the definition of productivity is something along the lines of a rate of output per unit. By breaking down the production process into individual steps, assigning workers to specialize in each step, and then measuring the productivity of the process on a step-by-step basis, the Industrial Revolution effectively turned workers into units, no different from the output of farms, chickens, or any other asset the capitalist might own. And this was not a new practice. Remember, slaves were measured in this way from the start. Their value was determined largely by how able-bodied they were and how much cotton or whatever crop they picked. What the Industrial Revolution encouraged was an application of the same dehumanizing measurement strategies across the entire labor market. Once this approach to measuring work became the norm, it transformed the mindset of the working class as well. Highly desired outcomes such as promotions, raises, and increased security were tied to an individual's ability to be productive. This led to the idea that being productive was an inherently good value to strive towards. And then, as the labor markets shifted away from primarily manufacturing work and towards our current knowledge economy, a gap in the market was created. Productivity was still seen as the value to strive for, but it could no longer be measured by the company in a seamless way. This led to the rise of books, systems, products, and technologies designed to help both the company and the individual quantify their own productivity. The idea of being productive has become so deeply tied to the outcomes we want, more money, more freedom, career advancement, and there are now so many systems and tools to try that we've begun to associate being productive in and of itself with the goal. It's no longer for the purpose of getting those outcomes. We just assume that will happen naturally as long as we are productive. And so this raises an important question. If this is the way the world works, what can we possibly do about it? Well, the answer is a little disappointing, because like most other things, it's to be more mindful of your own behavior. Stop and ask yourself why it is you want to be more productive. Are you tracking your list because it actually helps you or because you think you should? 
Are you feeling anxious because you really need to get something done or because you feel that you should be working right now? No matter what the answer, the first step to transitioning from mindless productivity to productivity that serves you is simply to be aware of your reasons and thinking behind it. But what do you think? If you're listening to this on any other platform besides Spotify, I encourage you to download Spotify and find the podcast there where you'll have the chance to answer today's Q&A, which is what are your thoughts on productivity? Does it actually serve you? Leave your answer there and I'll be shouting out respondents in future episodes. Don't forget to share the episode with somebody who you care about, who might get value from it. Be sure to follow the show wherever you're listening to it. And with that said, I've been Greg Clunas. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps we take every day.